0: Hello, and welcome to the holiday edition of Fire Away, Rudner Law's online employment law show discussing the employment law issues that matter to you. My name is Stuart Rudner. I'm an employment lawyer and mediator and your host of Fire Away. Just a reminder that Fire Away streams online every month and episodes are always available on our Facebook page, our YouTube channel, and of course on our website. If you are watching live, we'd be happy to take your questions, so feel free to comment on Facebook or YouTube. Or tweet to us at runner law today for our last episode of 2019 we're lucky to have two guests the first one is Lisa Kay. Lisa is the president and lead consultant of peak performance HR uh, and I'm also lucky enough to be joined by Brian Daly Brian is the president and CEO of Brian Daly and Associates Inc so today as you may have guessed from the hat we'll be discussing holidays in the workplace and all of the issues risks and challenges facing employers at this time of year. It's the most wonderful time of the year, as we often say, but it can get very complicated, starting with what do we, what do we even call this time of year? And even in our pre-show discussions, we had one person refer to it as Christmas and then quickly uh, correct that to say the holiday the holidays. So we can't even agree on what we call this season, and people often get upset when you say the holidays and feel, feel as though it's just... Uh, the politically correct way to say Christmas. Uh, so there's often some emotion that arises, um, but we're going to talk today with Brian and Lisa, but how do you deal with holidays in the workplace, making sure it's inclusive, respectful, uh, trying to make sure you don't have issues where you have a holiday party that is really Christmas in all but name or other inclusivity fails that we have seen over the years. Uh, and we haven't even talked about the holiday party yet. so. I know a lot of companies have moved away from having one at all because they were so scared about potential liability for things like sexual harassment, drinking and driving, or just could not figure out how to make it an inclusive celebration as opposed to the Christmas party they've always had. Uh, so that's definitely not the best result if people just decide to scrap the holidays altogether. And Brian and Lisa both have a wealth of experience of dealing with these issues amongst many others in the world of HR. So. We want to talk to them and get their ideas on best practices. So, Brian and Lisa, first of all, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Oh, hi, hi, Stuart. How are you?
0: I am great. Very excited about this. My head's getting a little warm in the hat, so it may not last all half hour. But uh,
1: <laughs> but it looks great.
0: Um, no, thank you. I appreciate that, and it's great for covering up the parts that don't have as much hair as the other parts. Uh, so I might actually start wearing this all year round. <laughs> so let me start with a very general question. Uh, we have talked about or I've talked about some of the issues that arise in the holiday times I've written about this I've been interviewed about this many times what What would you guys say are your, your top tips for ensuring that the holidays can be recognized during the holiday season but without upsetting anyone or risking liability on the part of the company and maybe, maybe just so you don't have to fight over at least I would you like to go first
1: okay sure um, I mean it, it is a complicated time of year because it's a very happy and festive time of year, but yet it is a time where emotions are high, people are stressed, they're, they're shopping for holidays, they've got family coming in. Um, so emotions are running high and at the same time, companies want to help uh, employees celebrate. So it's a matter of balancing, um, you know, like you mentioned, the inclusive piece. Um, not everybody is celebrating the same holiday and not everybody is celebrating the holidays in the same way so we want to be inclusive and make everybody feel like they're a part of the celebration um, without offending people Uh, I, i sort of understand your point as well about the political correctness and sometimes it feels like we we might go too far so what is you know what is the balance there so making sure you're respectful doing your best to communicate clearly with employees and and watch your language and watch the tone of your messaging to make sure that it sounds like you're you're including everybody and then the second piece as you mentioned was the was the liability and, and thinking, thinking things through before just jumping on an idea, making sure you've, you've thought of all of the of all of the potential, uh, you know, you, like you called them, the potential fails that might occur, and, and try to address that before it happens.
0: That's really helpful, Lisa. And It's interesting you mentioned you know, watch your tone because it's, it's been interesting. I've seen you know we've talked about political correctness, inclusivity, which is really important. There has been a backlash. And people often talk about what they perceive as an attack on Christmas. And I've actually heard people say Merry Christmas in a, such an aggressive tone because it's almost like a political statement that they're not going to be restricted. So you got to be mindful about things like that. And, and also, I think, think back to the the spirit in which these things should be intended. So,
1: right.
0: Uh, Brian, what, what about you? What are your uh, sort of overall thoughts or top tips?
2: You know, it's a, <clears throat> I think that in many ways this time of the year is is. Um, the best and brings the best and the worst of human behavior out. Um, you know I, I I suppose there are some workplaces where uh, banning Christmas parties or holiday parties might make some sense, but to me it's it's the last resort. you know the the, the holidays um, I think provide a great opportunity to, reinforce camarader- camaraderie and, and build teamwork uh, within a workplace and there aren't many times of the year when when we do bring people together with uh, with a happy spirit so you know to me it's a shame to to reduce the amount of, of celebration but at the same time it's really important to provide the right um, context and staging for the, those those kind of celebrations and you know the, the kind of things that I think are most successful are, are, when I speak of staging, what I mean is think through the event, think through how it's going to occur, what the risks could be. Make sure you identify a, an official host, somebody ideally from management or, or who has some level of, of seniority in the organization who will monitor the event and, and build in some course corrections where needed because it, it it's it's the opportunity, I hate to say it, a small minority of people, We'll use that as an opportunity to say, okay, here's my chance to let loose. And in some cases, they forget you're going to need to w- return to the workplace after Christmas or after New Year's. And that can, you know, provide a great deal of awkwardness that destroys all the teamwork that you were trying to build through the process. So putting the right staging around it, the right boundaries around it is really, really important. I think people have to remember that
0: even though you may have a holiday party and it may be at an offsite location, it's still a workplace event, and you're still going to have to, as you said, you're going to see all these people, deal with all these people that might be your boss, and it, yeah, you got to be careful from an employee perspective, from an employer perspective. Setting the tone is is really important, and it's funny you said staging, and and the first thought that came to my mind was the the inclusivity fails. Uh, and I'm sure you guys have seen this as well, where I've, I've heard stories of quote-unquote holiday parties where, you know, and people are invited with their spouses, significant others, and children, and they show up to something that is decorated in all the green and white, and there is Christmas music playing, and Santa's at the door, and there are Christmas, uh, Christmas carols, as I said, there's Christmas decorations, Santa brings Christmas presents for the kids, and there's not a mention of any other holiday. So really, it was a Christmas party, and you may as well just call it that. Uh, and sometimes, when I've spoken with with clients, and they've asked me, you know, or I've made the point that they should make sure that their holiday party is inclusive, and they've said, "Well, we don't know how to do that. We know we've always had a Christmas party. We know how to do that. You know, how do we acknowledge Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or anything else?" Uh, and what I usually say to them is, you know, just ask. You know, you don't need to ask your lawyer about that. Yeah. Ask the people involved as to what they would like to see in a party that would recognize their traditions. But what's your, I'm curious to hear both of you, because I've had people say, well, I'm scared to ask. So what's been your experience in terms of dealing with that issue?
1: I think, oh, sorry, Brian. I was gonna say, um, I think that one of, one of the things, I think you're right, um, people are afraid to ask. They're afraid to touch anything that might offend someone. Um, so, so one of the things that I tend to recommend is Um, If it's a holiday party and you want to be inclusive um, then one of the ways you might think about that is how do you how do you celebrate festivities without necessarily making it about a religious uh, event? So how do you how do you decorate in a way that is um, inclusive to all to all faiths and might recognize all faiths? Are there symbols of, of the holiday that you could include? So a snowman versus Santa Claus, for example. Um, so things like that where, where you know, the religion isn't what the, the center point of, of the event is. It's really an opportunity to share uh, an enjoyable experience and a celebration of, of a holiday season. Um, so how can we do that in a way that's not um, focusing on a religious aspect of the holiday?
2: I, I very much agree, Lisa. And, and, you know, to me, the key, as you state, is to is to get input from individuals but but do it ahead of the party do it do it discreetly provide an opportunity for people to provide input if they want to or or not to in, a, in other cases i I've, I've i've seen this in 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 one case backfire a little bit when with all the best of intentions and this was an hr group so you would think people would be sensitive to these items but these 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 issues but the the what happened in this circumstance was with all the best of intentions people we're very overt in having symbols from different religions and so on at the event, and then almost to the point of calling out individuals, of saying, well, you know, we've done this for for those two individuals. It, it, it backfires and creates a level of awkwardness for the individuals uh, who are attending the event, because th- th- then they feel that they have to respond in some way to the fact that those symbols were included just for them. You know, one of the things I found works the best is, uh, in addition to having some seasonal symbols and 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 rep- representations to do something that frankly everyone from every background can appreciate and the one that resonates the most to me is have some kind of charitable involvement because everyone from every background can relate to that in c- some cases i've been involved we've actually gone out and delivered gifts you know to to homeless people or delivered gifts to disadvantaged children i know stuart you had an event i saw recently where you did something similar at uh, in a food bank context uh, with your, your team. Those yeah. are great ways to build, um, a, a, a you might say, a festive spirit without relating to one specific religion. And frankly, what you're doing is um, bringing something forward that every religion can relate to.
1: <laughs> I've had my own negative experience with that. So it's, you, <laughs> you know, sure. I had a situation where they chose the wrong charity and there was a religious affiliation with the charity. And so there were still people who were offended by the choice of charity. Mm-hmm. Um, so again getting consensus uh, in some way if it's possible, of course, it depends on the size of the organization uh, I think it is it's important to remember that we we not we are trying to make as many people and, and if, ever, if at all possible Everybody happy, but it is very difficult to make everybody happy uh, all of the time So so again back to the, the respect and communication and perhaps uh, to your point if you have um, a team or if you can set up a committee that's made up of people from a variety of departments from a variety of backgrounds that that demonstrate the multinational, multicultural aspect of the organization and have been put into the party, that might be a great way of trying to, to, uh, to incorporate some of those uh, different ideas.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a great point, Lisa. I mean, you've got to do your research. And I heard a similar story where an organization was going to volunteer, and I won't name the organization, but uh, some people in their company said, well, that organization is particularly anti-LGBTQ. Uh, So they were offended. They didn't want to be involved in that. And no one had even given that a second thought. Uh, And Brian, to your point, yeah, as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, we closed our office last Friday afternoon and all of us went to 360 Kids, which is a phenomenal organization in York region, which helps uh, youth at risk, homeless youth. And uh, so we went there, we prepared a holiday meal, we helped them sort donations. And it's the third year in a row we've done it. And what's been really cool for me, when I first suggested it to to the team here, um i thought they probably said okay mostly because it meant an afternoon away from work uh but the reality is they they love it and you know when we talked about well you know can we or should we do it again this year you know people were kind of shocked that i you know we didn't consider not doing it people really enjoy the experience of going giving back to the community around the holiday season it's not religion specific uh, but it was very meaningful and we had a holiday lunch as well but brian i thought that was a great point uh, as long as, you know, as you said, Lisa, you, um, you do it properly and do your research. One thing that I had a client experience, I guess it's about three years ago now, was they were, you know, they always had a, a Christmas lunch. And so they understood that that was not the way to do things in 2000, I guess it was around 17. So they said, we're going to have a holiday lunch. And it was a fairly multicultural organization. So they did their best to be inclusive and they did everything that Brian you were saying. Uh, but they had one person who came to HR I think the day before and said I'm an atheist I don't believe that this is a holiday season uh, so I'd prefer not to go Uh, have you have you guys had to deal with anything like that
1: I can't say I've had to deal with with that specifically (laughs) <laughs> um, but there always seems to be an exception. You know, there's always there's always someone who takes exception to something, um, whether it's during the holiday season or, or just in general. Um, you know, people, you, you never know what might offend somebody. I know a senior leader in an organization currently who is very offended by calling the holiday party a holiday party. He wants to call it a Christmas party. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, you know, it, it is. It's very, very difficult. Um, nobody is obligated to participate I mean I guess that could be part of the communication if for any reason this you know you don't feel that this is meaningful to you or you don't want to be involved I mean that's that's an option it's not mandatory um, but you, you do want to you know the whole point is to be inclusive
0: now, here's one question so you're saying it's not mandatory but I I do recall hearing this issue once where there was a holiday party and you know if someone said well I'm, I don't want to go then the answer was that's, that's fine. You certainly don't have to go, but you're expected to be at work. Uh, so was that almost a punishment for not going? And, uh, I guess, and Brian, have you had to handle similar issues?
2: Yeah. I mean, not precisely the the one you're describing, although, although um, you know, one thing I've, I have found that some people are, are are a little adverse to a long event. So I mean, one way to, to deal with this, maybe to have a a shorter, You know, event of some kind where everyone attends might even be in the office, where you 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 let's say you bring in cookies or or share cookies or that coffee, that kind of thing, and then you go out for a lunch. So for individuals who might not want to attend the full event, there's still some opportunity for team building and camaraderie in the office, and they would be expected to attend that. In in, you know, in in many uh, HR groups I've been uh, leading, uh, you do have a continued service requirement. So in some cases. You can use that as an opportunity to say okay if 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 a certain person doesn't want to attend the event they can join the coffee part and then they'll go back and be the the i hate to say it the only person left in the hr office in case in case an emergency or or something happens that people need immediate help so i think you can use those kind of opportunities as a way to address people's concerns but you know a lot of this comes from listening to people and and frankly we're not always going to get it right no matter what you do in these circumstances people are human beings and and they're going to react differently. And you just have to be be aware of that and deal with it sensitively, I think.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point. It was a point I was going to come back to, which it's, it all comes down to communication. it's amazing how, you know, at least as you said, at the opening emotions are high this time of year, stress is high. Uh, but it's interesting that there is this real backlash and people get their backs up sometimes, but, I find in most cases it's all about communication, and, and I, I often use the example of, of my own family. I don't only work in a multicultural organization; I have a multicultural family. And when our kids were very young, you know, so I'm Jewish, my kids are Jewish, my wife is Anglican, and we made it very clear to them that the same way that my wife celebrates the Jewish holidays with us, we celebrate her holidays with her, and we all make it a family thing, and we explain what the different different meanings were, and we've developed some awesome traditions of our own, and uh, I know. Uh, Mark, who I guess is in the background here watching this, has seen this on Facebook, one of the things I love is, I'm not even sure how this happened, but I guess one year we were decorating the Christmas tree, and I always like to put on music, of course, and so I ended up putting some Hanukkah music on it, it's actually some swing jazz Hanukkah music, which is really cool. Uh, and that has somehow become the tradition because this year I put on Christmas carols while I was putting up the Christmas tree Which seemed like a logical thing to do uh, and got a flack from my kids who said that's not what we do in this family We listen to Hanukkah music when we put up the Christmas tree uh, So the point is, you know, they are you know, they're growing up in a multicultural family. They are very receptive They are very open, but it all came from that initial dialogue the dialogue of explaining why there are people in our family with different backgrounds. And there's no reason you can't do the same thing within an organization. And, you know, as Lisa, you've said a few times, there's always going to be a few people. Uh, But for the most part, I think people are going to be pretty understanding. The flip side, and I had this conversation with a company recently, and they were located in northern Ontario. And the owner who had become a client recently said, you know, my understanding is we can't have a Christmas party anymore. And I, I pushed back and I said, well, why not? he said, well, you know, I, I think we're supposed to be inclusive and that could be a human rights issue. I said, okay, well, I, I have a pretty good sense of the population of where you live. I, is there anybody in your 20-person organization that doesn't celebrate Christmas? And he said, no, they all celebrate Christmas. I said, okay, then you should have a Christmas party. You, know, you don't have to be inclusive or politically correct just for the sake of being politically correct. It's only to acknowledge and and respect the people in your workplace. You know that that was an important point that came out of that discussion.
1: It's an interesting point as well. Although <laughs> I, I wonder what would happen if the following year, you know, there was somebody who did celebrate a different holiday, and then all of a sudden <laughs> puts a twist in their tradition. Um, yeah. You know, I know I have clients like that too, where it's primarily um, you know a Christmas celebrating employee base but when there has been one or two people recently who don't celebrate even if they're just temporary staff it, it, it kind of changes the dynamic a little bit so then the, the question gets raised again but you know it could be a, an annual decision right <laughs> so you can decide year by year what what the the workforce looks looks like
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess the risk there, I think you're right, is, you know, so it was always a Christmas party, and this year it's a holiday party. Well, why is that? And You don't want that person to feel uncomfortable, so that's that's a really good point.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, So, and and as I said to you guys before we started, time does fly by. So, we've kind of alluded to to holiday parties. I almost said Christmas party. Uh, We've alluded to holiday parties a few times, but, I mean, they are, they can be great, and Brian, you said it can be great for collegiality and camaraderie and just giving people a chance to, relax and and spend time with our colleagues in a very different context. Uh, But uh, especially if they are off site, if there's alcohol, we now have legalized cannabis. So you might have cannabis at your party. There's all kinds of risks. So maybe I'll, you know, Brian, if you want to go ahead, I mean, what do you usually do in terms of, of trying to mitigate those risks?
2: You know, I, I think a lot of it starts with knowing your population. Um, and if you've had experience with, with the particular group, uh, then that will give you some guidance as to wh- what level of risk you have. You know, I, I was at a, uh, uh, a board meeting and, and, a, and a reception last week that had an open bar. Um, there were 30 or 40 people there. The organization, and I, I, I wasn't organizing it, so I was a little concerned at the beginning of this just because you don't see that that often these days. But the organizers knew the group, they knew the individuals involved, and knew that the risk and they did a reminder at the beginning, but the risk was relatively low. Generally, I wouldn't recommend an open bar. I think a a ticket-based approach to drinks makes sense. Give people a couple of tickets, that way they can, you know, um, decide to have a couple of drinks or not, but it does provide some limits to it. Again, having someone there who is the designated host is really important, and making sure that person understands the organization's policies, understands, in general, the legal aspects of this, Uh, particularly around drinking and driving, and understands the importance of mitigating risk and taking action where necessary. That action may be working with the bartender to avoid serving shots, for example. It may be calling a a time limit to the amount of time when the bar is is serving alcohol. It may be ensuring food is brought out relatively early in the process. It's all common sense things that can help address the potential uh, risks associated with alcohol in the workplace. The other concern I've seen, and particularly at the holiday period, is often you're bringing people together who may not always come together. And I'm thinking particularly, often you'll be invited to a supplier event or a customer mm-hmm. event. Right. The rules and standards in those organizations may be different. Having said that, for an individual attending that event, they're covered by their own organization's policies and standards, and of course by, by legal standards. But you know, when people are going out to those kind of outside events, it's often important to speak to the individuals going. And in some cases, we've even gone to the point of alerting suppliers and customers to what our policies are if they're inviting our employees to attend it, because then they're at least called to task if an event does occur. And I've seen those occur in those circumstances where an organization may be a smaller organization, it may have different standards, and, and that can become a real source for, for, for a problem. So those are a couple of the things that I, I've seen to do, putting some boundaries around it, in terms of who's organizing, who's hosting the event, and how much alcohol is served along with food and in what time period.
0: Yeah, those are some great points. And you're right, the third, third party party can be quite complicated. The other thing that I, I've seen happen is, you know, you have the official party and then the after party. Uh, and I think it's really important to make it clear whether or not that is a workplace event, uh, and if so, who's overseeing it? Because uh, you may have exactly what you said, Brian. You may have someone who is in a position of authority, who's at the party, overseeing drinking, et cetera, but who's at the after party? And is it you know, are you liable? And I think you know in many cases, there is potential liability. So you need to address not only the main party but the after
2: party as well. In that context is to have a clear end to the official party and work with the the event, uh, the venue ahead of time to make that facility, that room unavailable. So, I mean, if you're in a restaurant, you may say, you know, sorry, folks, we now need to vacate because they need to set up for their next holiday party. Mm-hmm. What that does is it at least removes individuals from the situation. People then disperse. If a few people decide to go to, let's say, a bar or a near- nearby restaurant to continue their celebrations, it becomes much clearer that there's a, a, a dividing line between the official event and something they're choosing to do as individuals on their own.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Elisa, what about you? Any, uh, any recommendations?
1: Um, I'm just thinking in addition to what Brian said, um, you know, the, the concern about liability is real. Um, and what you had mentioned about cannabis today um, is quite common for sure. So it's not just a matter of how much somebody's had to drink. It's whether they've had something to smoke or if they're impaired in any way, whether it's prescription, medical or recreational. And you can't always tell. Um, one of the things that I I would encourage and I do encourage my my clients to do um, is to ensure that safety is a priority. I mean, it's about liability as well, of course, um, but safety safety first. Um, And ensuring that all employees have a a safe means of getting themselves home, whether that's through uh, taxi chits, whether that's through a designated driver program that's arranged in advance or carpools. Um, There's services out there that they'll actually come and meet you at a venue and they will bring two people, and one person will drive the individuals home, and one person will follow with a car. So there's all sorts of alternative options to make sure your employees are getting home safely. I wouldn't want to presume somebody isn't impaired just because you didn't see them drink. Uh, there may have been other things going on you're not aware of um, at the holiday party or or following. So just keeping that in mind, uh, safety as a as a priority um, is something else I'd want to mention.
0: Yeah. No- best suggestion I ever got, which came actually from a client of mine, was that they always invite spouses or significant others to the holiday party. Uh, and I remember them saying, you know, it's an added cost, but he said people will behave or will be on their best behavior when their spouse is there.
1: That's true. Actually, we haven't really even discussed the other the other potential liabilities, um, such as potential for claims for sexual harassment if somebody has a little too much to drink or uh, otherwise impaired. And is it a bit too flirtatious, or you know, at what point uh, has somebody crossed the line in a holiday party? If you're dancing and they put your hand on on your back, is that is that crossing a line? So, so there's so much that can happen, and thankfully we have employment lawyers like Stuart who are there to answer some of those questions. Um, but yes, we
0: should all be thankful for employment lawyers at this exactly. time.
1: Exactly, <laughs> um, but we just want to be aware that those those are potential uh, scenarios that could come up and and be ready to address them should. Should they come up and, and to be preventative as much as possible, have the conversation in advance, remind people perhaps of your policies um, to be responsible, that this is a work event, um, and then to be sh- be safe on the way home.
0: Yeah, no, that's great advice. And I, I was gonna mention that you remind people beforehand of the fact that your policies exist and that they apply to workplace events. I think that's really important. Um, lim- limiting intoxication is important and having spouses can act as a bit of a deterrent, which I think is a great, uh, a great approach, and, and having your employment lawyer is not a bad idea. So, you can always Im- invite your employment lawyer to your par- parties. I'm, I'm happy to attend and uh, even bill at a reduced rate for that type of thing.
2: I, I've seen that the inviting spouses or partners work very well. The, the only pushback I've experienced is where you have individuals, and it's, it's true in most families now where both spouses are, are working and they may have children, and it becomes quite awkward to, you know, you have to arrange a babysitter, you may have a sick child. Um, you know, so there may be reasons why that then becomes awkward. So you have one individual attending by themselves, whereas, you know, all the rest of the group were there with their spouses, it can become a little bit awkward. I still think it's a useful tactic. You just need to provide some cushion around it for those individuals that, for whatever reason, may not want to bring their partner or may not be able to, to bring their partner. But, you know, the whole the whole point on liability, I just wanted to raise one, one really quick point. It's really important as you look at these events to remember if you're in a supervisory role or a leadership role, you're essentially always at work when you're with people that you work with. Because I've seen leaders, supervisors, even senior executives believe that, well, you know, we went out after the Christmas party and, and went went to a bar. That's no longer a workplace event. As a supervisor, you're always in a position of power when you're with em- employees that are either directly or indirectly reporting to you. That's why I like it when organizations have policies restricting relationships between a boss and their their his or her employees and we've seen this in recent cases at mcdonald's and other organizations where that's become a major issue so it's really important not only with the broader population to remind people of your you know the harassment issue but also to be clear with anyone in a supervisory role that they have a particular reason to be cautious about their behavior in this
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And uh, it's funny, I've been interviewed a few times recently on that whole issue of uh, workplace romantic relationships or other relationships. And and you're right, you can't somehow carve out a portion of your life that's separate. And I I had one case I dealt with many years ago now, and, and I don't think it was a holiday party, I think they had a summer party. And as the summer party kind of wound down, one of the people in management had about five or six people with him. And this was before legalization of cannabis, but he brought out his stash, and said, I just want to be clear, this is not an official company event anymore. And in his mind, that sort of absolved him of any any liability going forward. Uh, You can't just sort of turn it on and off. As you said, Brian, you're a manager, you're a manager. Uh, The other thing that's been interesting, I've seen, and you guys may have seen it as well, is uh, workplace relationships that have been successfully hidden for most of the year suddenly become very apparent at the holiday party.
1: That's true. I have seen
2: that as well.
0: So I'm curious, I know we always talk about uh, war stories. Either of you want to share a particularly uh, bad or entertaining story you've heard about something that happened at the holidays and, and can tell us confidentially?
2: You know, I, I, I can think of one, and, and it, it was an interesting circumstance because it, it involved different generations, and, and I mentioned that because standards within generations of what they consider acceptable conversation in a social context can be different. In this context, uh, a younger worker was much more open about, uh, in, in a social context, about her romantic activities and, and things that were occurring outside of work. Uh, a manager, an older, in this case, male manager, uh, interpreted that very differently and interpreted that well. You know, th- this person is 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 uh, making an invitation to to have a certain kind of conversation. So it starts going down that path of having that conversation. And then very quickly, if others are listening, they may view this very, very differently. So that's the kind of circumstance I've seen where, you know, uh, uh, you can't just draw a line and stop a conversation and say it's no longer workplace, as you say. And and people are still, even in today's world, not fully cognizant of the, of the risks in that area.
0: Yeah. And once you throw in alcohol or, or cannabis, of course, people uh, lose their, their, their judgment at times. Lisa, what about you?
1: um you know there's so many different examples that have come up i I think um i'm trying to think of a a good story to tell i I mean ultimately a lot of the stories have to do with (laughs) people misbehaving at a work event um, or a holiday party or um similar and and what that means for them in the long run i mean we had started this conversation at one point about uh saying something like at the end of this you're gonna to have to go back to work. Um, and I sort of jokingly at the time responded or not, because there have been such violations of company policies at some of these parties that you can't go back to work after what you've, you've done. Um, I think that Brian at one point had mentioned a supplier party and I know of a particular situation where somebody did something unforgivable at a supplier party. Um, and when they went back to work, that was their last day. I mean, they, they were like, go based on what they had, uh, they had done at that particular party. So you really do need to be careful how you behave and, and being under the influence or uh, impaired is not an excuse for, for bad behavior or inappropriate behavior. You're still a representative of the company in that case where, where they're at a supplier party. And, uh, and depending on how far you go, it can have uh, very severe repercussions.
0: Yeah, it's a great point. And, and as you were talking, it made me realize or, or think about how many investigation reports I have read that recount what happened at the company holiday party. Uh, it's unbelievable. It might be part of a, of a sequence or over an extended period of time. But there's all, so often there's something that happens at the party that really brings things to the, brings things to the fore. And, and you're right. I mean, it, it's a great party. It's a great event. It's fun. It's collegial. But it can be the end of your, of your career. Uh, we've seen a lot of high-profile cases so it's critical and the one thing I do remind our employers though is our employer clients is if something does happen that the happen at the party you know you should never just fire the person right away that's almost never the right reaction you got you got to take some time you got to investigate you got to assess you know legal rights etc uh, before making that snap decision because there may be a lot more to the story um, so there probably will be an investigation but you know you're right you, you don't want to be the one who causes the investigation as a result of what you do at the party
1: exactly and you're right there there have been so many so many holiday parties that end with several investigations so so let's just try to avoid that
0: yeah that's that's probably a good a good closing message but uh, anything else you, else you guys want to add as far as tips for for the holidays
2: you know, your last point, I just wanted to reinforce, Stuart, that, you know, even if an egregious behavior apparently does occur, you need to conduct an investigation. I, I've seen many senior leaders, you know, move immediately to a termination without an investigation, without understanding what happened at the event, and and, and frankly, what are the, the circumstances that it, um, you know, arguably led up to that particular behavior. So it is important to do do these things with import, with due diligence. Yeah, I mean, look, it
0: applies anytime, and I say this all the time because I've, you know, spent a good part of my career talking about just cause for dismissal and writing a book on it. And I know that it's not just the misconduct in question. You have to take what our courts always call a contextual approach, look at all the relevant circumstances. So you've got to do the investigation and then make your decision. But uh, I guess from an employee perspective, it, it, we say it over and over again, you need to remember this is a workplace event and what you do at the party can come back to haunt you. It's not, it's not like Vegas. Uh, so I think that's a really important message for people to remember. Um, all right I think uh, it's already 107 so I guess uh, we're pretty well out of, out of time but uh, Brian and Lisa I, I want to thank you You've both been great I've kind of enjoyed having two guests it's a nice change it's good to get two different perspectives you both bring a, a wealth of information so uh, first of all for anybody who wants more information about Lisa or Brian uh, Lisa is um, her firm is Peak Performance HR which is at www.peakperformancehr.ca. And Brian is Brian Daly and Associates, which is www.briandaly.org. So I encourage everyone to check them out online and connect with them. And uh, thank you guys both so much for joining me today. It was a great discussion.
1: Thank you, Stuart. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. That's all the time we have for a season two episode of uh, season two, episode 11 of Fire Away, the holiday edition. I've now removed my hat, but it's still the holiday edition. Thank you to everyone for tuning in. Thank you in particular for Brian Daly and Lisa Kay for joining me for a, a great conversation. Our next episode will be on Tuesday, January 21st. That's our first episode of 2020. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at info at renderlaw.ca. Past episodes can always be found on YouTube, on our website, and on Facebook. And if you like or subscribe to our pages or channels, you'll get notifications. I will invite you to keep in touch with Redner Law throughout the month, not just for FireAway. Sign up for our newsletter to find out everything that's going on, as well as getting employment law updates throughout the month. Uh, but, and I say this every month, please remember that none of this, the show, the blog, the newsletter, etc none of this replaces legal advice. If you think that you might need an employment lawyer, you probably do. So please feel free to reach out to us, and uh, we'd be happy to help you if we can. Thank you to Rob, to Rebecca, and to Mark for helping to put the show together, as always. And I wish all of you very happy holidays. And uh, wish everyone, again, very happy holidays, whatever you celebrate. All the best for a happy and healthy New Year. And uh, thanks again for tuning in.